Welcome to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast, a podcast all about real life together. Hey everyone, welcome to CPC Together. I am joined here with not only Kevin Sneed, who maybe perhaps you are tiring of his voice. I'm not, Kevin. I love the That's sound of That's very kind voice. of you. In fact, yeah. no joke, sometimes at night I just put on a sermon that you're just preaching. Just to help you fall asleep? Yeah. I'm yeah. out within like 30 seconds <laughs> yeah, if I, I think, hear the sound of your voice. You know, you and my mom are the only ones not tired of my voice, so it's good to know that she's got company. <laughs> What about Lindsay? Lindsay's tired of She's me. tired. <laughs> yeah, in the best of ways. In the best of ways. So not only do we have Kevin Sneed, but we have two other humans. <laughs> what? Rachel Almeida. Say hey, Rachel. Hello. Uh, for years, people said Almeida, and she didn't correct this them. This is true. Because that's Including the- me for years said Almeida. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, like Alameda, like the uh, city in the East Bay. But it is, it is not that. Or it was like just the street. so fun when you said it. You said, Miss Alameda. <laughs> There's like Ala, Alameda de las Pulgas. It's Avenue like you won a fleece. beauty contest or something. <laughs> Miss Alameda. Anyway, uh, Rachel is, um, she was a pastoral resident for a couple of years here. She graduated with honors, Zuma cum laude. <laughs> Zuma? Yeah. It was on Zoom? It's yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, she was Zuma cum laude. Yeah, and, most uh, of it was on Zoom. And now she is on staff with yeah. us as the vision director, which is really, really exciting. Fantastic. Um, Rachel, uh, can you answer a question for all of the people that want to know all about you? Can I give you a question? Is that okay? I'll try my absolute best. All right. I like that spirit. Her absolute best. If you could only eat one final meal, mm. what would it be? Steak. Steak. <laughs> be steak. Without Just hesitation, steak. by the way. <laughs> Like potatoes on there or just straight? Mm. Is there a particular cut of beef? I like the picanha steak. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Picanha. Espitus, the steakhouse. Oh, Espitus. Oh, a little slice of uh, rare Oh, is my good. goodness. A little wow. bit of blood. Do you go there? I can't imagine you eat more than like three pieces of steak. I've been there once in my life, but it was yeah. amazing. <laughs> I can't imagine you're giving them a run for their money, yeah. but I have made up whatever you have not. When you walk into a Spetus, Rachel, amount. people are like... They're just so excited about the profit. They're like, wow. <laughs> Higher profit margins than, than you or I, Brandon. Yeah. I think you're underestimating I, my meat consumption. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That's where we're rolling right after this. We're heading <laughs> over. Yeah. I skip the... Uh, the place is so good. I always skip the, the salad bar. No, mm. I don't. Only because it's so good. It yeah. is. That I'll just eat all of that and then I have to pass on all the chicken heart. That's, that's where they get you. Have you ever been to Fogo de Chao? No. Wait, is that the one? Is that the Brazilian steakhouse in Santana Row? Yes. I have seen it a ton. By the way, the mysterious voice that's talking <laughs> that we have not introduced yet is Stephen. So, Stephen, who is one of our pastoral residents right now, helping us plan the Mark series, tell us about Fogo de Chao. You sit down at your, your spot, and they have the salad bar, which you should avoid. They bring all of their meat around to every table, and you can have as much of it as you want. So, Essentially, for me, I love filet. It could be all you could eat filet mignon. Just like you, they'll bring it to you at your table. So yeah, is that, it like on a cart? It's not like no, Espinas has like he's the, got like the machete yeah. that's like shaving it off. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you not been to a special? No. It's, yeah, it's, it's, no. it's, it's same like, thing. Yeah, and they got like the little like circle thing. It's like green means keep it coming. Red means yes. like stop it. You never need the red. It's on green all night. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, just keep it coming. Yeah. 
physical pain is when you know you're done. Do you have the chicken heart when they come by? I, I have, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if I've said no at Espedes once. <laughs> Which isn't good for my cholesterol or my heart, but it's good for my stomach. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we're so glad that we're here with Steven and with Rachel. Steven, I need to ask you a question before we continue. Yes. Um, what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Darkwing Duck. No, I never actually watched that. Oh, if I can give you homework, you must go watch the entire catalog. Of I've never Duck. gotten homework from you. <sighs> no, that's your new homework. I dark or watch Darkwing Duck. I didn't like Darkwing Duck. Do you know you what Darkwing, like Darkwing Duck? Duck is, Rachel? I do not. Darkwing Duck. Better watch out, you bad boys. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. Oh, I was gonna say it's either. I loved Rugrats. Mm, loved interesting. Rugrats. Also, I loved SpongeBob. Uh, okay. I, I little known Kevin fact, I have never seen one episode of SpongeBob. And now that I'm an adult, I would say you probably don't need to watch any of them. <laughs> I certainly wasn't planning on it. Yeah. Yeah. So with all of this um amazing brain power in this room, we're talking about Mark, and the idea is to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes look at what we're gonna be um talking about. And um we sit in these meetings and we sort of plan out how we want to frame this book and how we want to teach through it as a teaching team. And so we kind of want to bring you behind the scenes a little bit to how that is done today. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first question, um, why Mark? Why are we going to go through Mark yeah. next? What's the big deal? Yeah, good question. Uh, so we're, we're starting this again. You, you think this is going to air on Friday, this, this conversation, this podcast before the Sunday that we start a long, lengthy series in the Book of Mark. And part of the reason we chose the Book of Mark, if you go back all the way to September of 2022? No, 21. 2021. Yeah, 22 hasn't happened yet. Into the future. (laughs) If you go all the way back to the future, shout out Michael J. Fox. Um, In that series, we started this, you know, we launched that year in the teaching calendar with this Ecclesia series where we really focused on the distinctives of what it means to be God's called out ones, God's called out community and people to be a distinct community. And then, uh, so in that, we're kind of just asking questions around what does it mean to be church in this day and age? Um, out of that, we said, okay, we are a distinct community. And so then if we are distinct or alternative to the world around us, yet still in the world around us, what is the basis of our identity? And from there, we went into the book of Galatians. And in Galatians, that was one of the core questions that's going on in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia is, you know, what does it mean to be a gospel community? And so we said, as a distinct community, we're built on the gospel alone. That is the foundation for which we exist. Uh, from that series, we went into Advent, celebrated Christmas. And then out of that, in the new year, we started off with the, the, the book of Daniel. And Daniel was really asking the question, if we're a distinct community that's built on the gospel, how do we remain faithful to that identity? And so we, we built out these themes of being in exile, of, of being Christians in exile, in a modern Babylon, and how do we remain and learn to practice our faith faithfully in that. Um, so from there then, we went into Lent, where we did a lot of work around confession, which is simply saying... Maybe we have failed in, in living up to our identity and living up to the people that God wants us to be. And so we just learned how to confess, how to bring that before God. Maybe we failed. <laughs> yeah, we have failed. And so here's how we then confess those things. Um, and then out of that series, we are now where we are today. 
where we wanted to say, okay, now that we've done all of that work on who we are, how, what kind of community we're founded on, um, out of that, we, we were, we're saying, okay, now let's learn what it means to follow Jesus. And by doing so, we wanted to take up one of these biographies of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark, and to just sit with our rabbi and sit with Jesus, learn what it means to, to quite literally follow him with our life, with our very kind of everydayness. And one of the best ways to do that, again, is to sit with Jesus to understand who he is and, uh, and how, we, how we follow him. So there are four different Gospels, right? Is that right? Correct. In our Bibles, yes. Okay. Yeah. In our Bibles. Oh. <laughs> so in other people's Bibles, there's more? That's actually really interesting. Is there really? Well, there, there is. They didn't. They weren't canonized. They got like right. the Gospel of Thomas and a few other things that. Whoa. Okay. Uh, are not. They. You know, we would we would have several issues with those gospels. So they it didn't quite the pass gospels. the legitimacy test, but there are other things out there that that are correct. Well, like the Gospel of Thomas specifically, if I remember correctly, they didn't find any record that it existed for the first three hundred years hmm. after Christ. So just little things like that are like, this is probably not an accurate account. Yeah, yeah. And we also have early lists of what people thought were in the Bible, like the early church fathers, what they thought were in the Bible. And no one ever mentioned that anywhere. So, um, yeah, there are other extraneous documents, but yeah, we don't. Not to mention, I know this Sunday uh, I'll be preaching on this idea of gospel. And so like, even though, you know, we call these gospel, but the word gospel is euangelion. It means good news. Like it's, it's this idea of an announcement of something that is happened or, you know, is quote good news. Um, and so I'll talk a little bit about this Sunday, how there are, you know, I would say there are secular gospels that are trying to tell us a quote good news that, that are trying to portray story of the good life. Um, but yet right here, when, when we pick up the gospel of Mark, we have, this is the gospel. This is the story um, that we understand as God, as King, as Lord, as Savior. Um, that is our gospel, right? The gospel. Um, so it depends on how, I guess, elastic we want to use that word gospel. And again, I would call those other, quote, secular gospels, false gospels. Um, but they're, they're stories that we believe. You got to imagine that Thomas is kind of disappointed that his didn't get in there. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. Thomas wrote the Gospel of Thomas, too, so that could be the yeah. other issue. <laughs> so with Mark, would, what? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's a, a important thing for us to start any conversation about the Gospels about is yeah. right there, pointing out that when you're reading the Gospels or any Gospel in general, um, some people like to think of them as... M- just historical narratives that pertain to Jesus when the reality is they're trying to communicate the good news of Jesus and we get them from four different perspectives. And as that's the case, we shouldn't read them as like um, Tim Mackey uses the analogy of a security camera footage. That's not how we're seeing this. And if you read them that way or um, at, I've seen before people try to um, chronologically order them um, based on clues in the text. Yeah, I did that with Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) No, like my wife, when I first showed her the Star Wars movie, she's like, shouldn't we start at one? I was like, no, we should not start at one. I did. I started at one. I recommend it. One as in order of... Publication? I think Rogue One is number one. You, you, yeah, so chronological is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. So you're anyway. So when you read it that way, 
it you missed something. I, I interrupted you. I'm bad at that. Yeah, because actually it, you're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we read the Gospels, we should be looking for what the author is trying to communicate to the specific audience he was writing to, rather than us looking back and trying to reconstruct a three-year time period where Jesus was going around walking and how can we put this in chronological order? Because when you do that, you're taking the narrative and the, the things that are supposed to be communicated to the hearer and you're messing with it and uh, you miss the point and you can come to the wrong conclusions very easily doing that. And I'm not saying there's no benefit to those because I, I think there are absolutely things you can gain, especially the reality and the confidence in the historicity of Jesus Christ. I, I think that's really important, but that can't be the primary way you read it because that's not at all what any of the authors of our four gospels uh, or four gospel accounts were intending. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's a very like modern Western way that we approach really history even, you know, like where we look at history and if we were to ask, you know, like a question of, you know, what was September 11th, for instance, most of us would respond with, okay, at 902 or whatever, the first plane hit this tower this many people died. It would be very analytical in the way we view history. But in the Eastern ancient world, that's not necessarily the way they told those things. They would tell it more from a um, almost a narrative way of trying to say, here's all the dimensions of what's happening and going on. And so there's, it's, you know, I, I, Stephen, I think you're right to say that there is value in understanding the historicity of Jesus. But it's, again, we impose sometimes onto the text very modern Western categories of thinking when that's not what the gospel writers were doing. Um, and so there is confidence in the historicity of Jesus, but we don't necessarily want to read always the gospels only through that lens. Right. Because we want to understand the narrative and story they're telling us about Jesus. One analogy that I often use that helps me with this is imagine, and this is just for the sake of example, the four of us went and committed a crime. <laughs> And we got arrested. It was, it was Rachel, by the way. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. She's by far the mastermind. Yeah. But if we went to the police station and all of us said the exact same words in the same order, recounting the events from beginning to end exactly correctly to the police officers, that would be suspicious. That wouldn't hmm. seem reliable but when i retell the story i'm gonna have something i'm trying to communicate namely that i didn't do it yeah that it was Rachel. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw me under the bus <laughs> y'all are all gonna have the your own things you're trying to communicate in yeah. your retelling of the story mm. and that doesn't make it less truthful but you're gonna emphasize things that were important to you um and that that means some of the details might sound like this this when we get to the um, how do we harmonize the gospel when it comes to that idea how do we make them all make sense together um, we have to understand they're just different people telling the same story from their perspective and so yes they're all true a hundred percent we we never want to negate that but we also have to remember that this is coming from a specific person's specific perspective. That's really good. So so when you're looking at all four different Gospels, what is distinctive about Mark? What makes Mark sort of stand out from the other three? Yeah, so Mark, uh, to go back to our crime committing 
analogy, Mark would be your friend who's trying to get through all the key details and tell the story and doesn't really like give much in the way of explanation of stuff. Um, doesn't say what Brandon's story was that we were listening to on the way on our drive. Like he doesn't tell us that he mainly says this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And it goes through very quick. So it's a really compelling story when you read it through all together. And uh, we mentioned this in the teaching team meeting where there's actually a guy who does a dramatic retelling of this uh, gospel because it's so gripping just to hear it. And it has some distinctives. It uses different phrasing. It uses different words in order to compel you as you hear it. Um, so it's a really exciting book and it's really fast paced and it, it all is trying to point to some of the key themes we see all throughout, namely that Jesus is the son of God, which we see introduced to us in chapter one, verse one, it starts with the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. He tells you right away what he's going to tell you. And then he spends the entire narrative developing that in a very fast paced way. Any thoughts on that, Kev? <laughs> Spot on. I have one question for Rachel before we continue. Rachel, what is your favorite gospel? Ooh. Assuming you can't use the gospel of Thomas because it's not <laughs> canonized. Without a doubt. I think I would say Matthew. Matthew. I would second that. It's my favorite as well. Really? It is. It is. What's your favorite? John. I was yeah, go John the artsy well. one. The I like John. Who Jesus makes sense. Loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> what is like, it about Matthew that you love, Rachel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like to read through the Sermon on the Mount yeah. and the parables, especially. I think, as well as the, I think there's a lot of like dialogue in it. Um, so you just see, yeah, a lot of different voices and processing who Jesus is and. Jesus asks a lot of questions as well. So seeing that dialogue is really helpful, I think, for me. So we're calling this um, series through Mark. We're kind of subtitling it to know and to follow Jesus. So Stephen, why are we calling it that? Uh, The first part of the book really develops the uh, key idea of Jesus as the fulfillment of so many Old Testament stories. foretellings of this coming uh if you go back to genesis 3 the snake crushing king the the idea all throughout isaiah that's uh, the messiah is coming ezekiel the the prophets were constantly talking about someone who would finally put an end to sin and to injustice and to evil in the world and mark in the first eight chapters is non-stop hitting story after story after story saying jesus is that person He is that, and he shows it through the stories that he tells. Um, He doesn't explicitly say it, but the only reason he would tell the stories the way he does, it would seem, would be to develop that. Um, And so that's the knowing part. And then the following part is we get about halfway through the book um, to chapter 8, and partway through we see Jesus uh, heal a blind man, which is an interesting story, um, which I'm sure we're going to spend quite a bit of time on at some point, whether that be in the pulpit or here. But there's that healing of the blind man. Then immediately after, 
um, Peter declares Jesus um, as like he, he realizes who Jesus is. Um, and that part right there changes the narrative. It kind of flips what the focus is. And it becomes about, okay, you realize who Jesus is. Now, how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to uh, give up your life to pursue what he is calling you to now that you realize who this person is? And so I think that's a good way to sort of break down the two main. I mean, it's almost halves because there are 16 chapters and that's chapter eight where it breaks mm. um, the two main halves of the book. Yeah. And I know, Stephen, as you were outlining this and, and as we were kind of putting together the preaching calendar, um, you know, you talked about how really in in the gospel, you can see like three different acts yeah. um, that are built into the the way that the kind of literary structure of the book. And in those three, um, you know, you've, you we, we I think we were you were able to kind of frame each of those acts around a particular question. Um, and that really leads out of even what you were saying about this idea of to know Jesus is one of the themes that Mark is doing kind of beneath the surface is he's constantly kind of asking that question, who is he? Who is this Jesus? Right. And as you said, kind of right in verse one, it says, you know, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then it's bookended too, if I remember right, at the end of the gospel, when the, I think it's the Roman soldier after Jesus' death, yeah, yeah. you know, and he sees the earth shake and darkness fall and all this kind of thing. And you see him pronounce, surely he was the son of God or the son of man. I can't remember what the phrase was in that in Mark, Mark 15. It was son of God. In son of God. 38. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, and that becomes that announcement is, is, is that the first time in the book outside of, you know, Peter puts together that Jesus is the Messiah. Right. But you see this Roman soldier confessing him that he's the son of God. Right. Uh, which is pretty profound. But I'd love to hear, uh, that was a muddled way of asking, like, <laughs> talk to me about those three questions that we yeah. were able to kind of break the series out. The first one being, who is he? The second, will you follow him? And the third, will you die with him? And I'd love to kind of maybe just talk about each one of those in turn. But but talk to me a little bit about this first act and that question of who is he? Um, you know, what are you seeing in there? Yeah, so in... What we call, well, what uh, R.T. France, the famous theologian, says, he breaks it down into three main sections. And this is pretty uh, common now, the most common way to understand it, is you see Jesus constantly circling around Galilee for the first eight chapters of the book. And that um, is, first of all, a good sign that this isn't chronological because Jesus, as a good God-fearing Jew who would have observed many of the traditions in Judaism, would have regularly gone to Jerusalem, which is something we see throughout the other Gospels, right? So as we look through the other Gospels, we see Jesus frequently going to Jerusalem. But in the first eight chapters of Mark, we see him hanging out in Galilee and He's doing miracles. He's demonstrating his authority. He's um, sending out disciples. He's doing all these incredible things all throughout Galilee. And the way that the stories are framed, the way that all these things are um, told to us by Mark really indicate that he's trying to communicate while Jesus is in Galilee, he is showing us who he is. And then from there in Act 2, um, you can tell the act two, it begins with the healing of the blind man and it ends with the healing of a blind man. Um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. 
Um, he's on his way and we see Peter's confession and um, we see Jesus talking about how the way of the cross is different than the way of this world. And um, yeah, the, that his values are different too. Um, so we see that on the way. And then when we get to Jerusalem, we see the passion week, we see him, you know, challenging the religious authorities. We see the Olivet discourse, the prophesying about, you know, what is to come. We see his last hours, his arrest, his crucifixion, and there's all that packed into what happens in Jerusalem. And so it, it really seems broken down by the author intentionally to show us this. And so we're really, to get back to your question, because I know I kind of went through the whole book, <laughs> now that I think back That's to good. it. Um, who is he is really answered through what he does in Galilee. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, one of the things I love about the gospel of Mark is again, as we mentioned earlier, is those first two acts, as we described it, are fast paced. It's like one scene after another, after another. And then when you get to that third act with Jesus in Jerusalem for the last five chapters of the book, everything just slows down and we just, we focus so intently on that last week of Jesus life. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, again, when you begin to look so deeply into that, and again, the question we had uh, for that section is, you know, will you die with him? Right. Um, is a is a powerful question, but yet I think we were talking um, before we hit record that we that isn't necessarily the question that we love. Like, I'd love Stephen maybe explain a little bit of why the tension around like that's kind of a good question is what Mark's doing, but there's some nuance there that we're we're kind of working with as well. Yeah, yeah, because as in Act 2, we, we see him calling us to a different way of life. Um, it'd be weird to say, all right, go and die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, as Christians, we see all throughout the New Testament, we are called to be willing to lay down our lives. Yeah. But I would argue that it would seem that much of that is pertaining to how you live your life because it's, uh, I, I mean... I'm, in my opinion, it's much harder to live 60, 70, 80 years faithfully following Jesus yeah. than it is to like for 10 minutes to get yeah. burned. I mean, yeah. not to minimize at all the, the horrors and the atrocity that is and the pain it causes others. You know, like those are real things. But laying down your life is meaning I'm going to give up what I want, what I hold dear for the next 50 years and serve God. Yeah. Instead of serving what I yeah. think is best. Yeah. yeah, it's that phrase from Eugene Peterson that I love so much when he's talking about you know, his definition of repentance is a long obedience in the same direction. Right. Right. And like how challenging that that is. And that's ultimately, I think what, again, Jesus is asking of us is that long obedience in the same direction. It's that will we not just die with him once, but rather that dying to ourself like that. That's the process of discipleship right is constantly laying down that kind of the false self that that shadow side of us laying that you know on the cross and then allowing as paul would say you know in galatians to let christ be within us and come outside of us and so that's that's that task of discipleship that we're we're getting at and so it's like yes will you die with him but it's will you do it tomorrow and then the next day right, and then the next right. day and then the next day you know, again, in, in kind of a more of a metaphorical sense, but yet also a very real like laying down of the right to your own life yeah. you know, on some level. 
Yeah, and when Jesus says things like, take up your cross and follow me, yeah. we don't literally carry around physical crosses. Yeah, yeah. We have to understand that as a, yeah. a sort of metaphor. And I think also um, one verse that really sticks out to me in this conversation is Second Thessalonians 3.13, when he says, as for you, brothers and sisters, don't grow weary in doing good mm. because it's something that we will grow weary. And he's talking yeah. about, this is going to be something you need to be faithful in. Yeah. Don't get tired of it. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's one of those, like, I think one of the things that's so compelling about Jesus, and I think we'll see that, or at least I hope we see that as we go through the gospel of Mark is that, that again, it's, you know, we, we can call it like the upside down kingdom and how right. it all seems backwards. Um, I like Willard's explanation that he's like, actually, it seems like Jesus is maybe setting the world right side up. Right. It's been upside down. It's been a parody and he's actually naming reality. Um, but I find that so compelling. And, you know, I don't I don't know, Brandon or Rachel, from your perspective, like <clears throat> as we dive into a study on Jesus for quite some time, like what are the things that you guys have found like compelling about Jesus um, cause I don't know, like when I, when I talk about Jesus with non-believers, there, there is something compelling about him, even to the non-believer, like to the kind of more secular minded individual that is still very compelling in our day. Um, I find most of the objections to Christianity is far more about the church and the failures that the church is, is committed or whatnot. So, um, I don't know. I'd throw that question to you guys. Like what is like, what is compelling to you guys about Jesus and, and what, what is the staying power of Jesus? Yeah, I think. You know, if I were going to say what has kept me hanging on, like through all of my years of, you know, questioning and, you know, in some cases deconstruction and going through, going through seasons where I questioned my theology and the things I was raised with, the thing that has kept me hanging on is, is the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's something about seeing God, you know, like who who was it that said God with skin on? Is that C.S. Lewis? I don't even know. Mm. No, I can't remember. There was an old professor of mine who would talk oh. about God yeah, Concarne. Heard that from professors, yeah, yeah, God Concarne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God God who comes, God comes down. And, it's just he's so he's so real and his way is so drastically different from yeah. from what we see on this earth that there is something that you know, when you start really understanding what he's asking, there's a part of you that says that would change everything in my life. And a part of you wants to do it. And a part of you is terrified because mm. you're like, I have to change all of the things that I've, that I've held on to until this moment. So, yeah, I think he's, I mean, obviously he's the center of our faith. Um, but to understand him more, I think is to understand God more, which is mm. pretty yeah, incredible mm. to think about. I think what I find compelling even with that is like there's an intensity to Jesus, but there's also like an invitation there. Like mm-hmm. he's so peculiar um, or just like that upside down kingdom. But I think that compels you to want to know him more. And he like lets each person in in their own timing or even with their own story. Um, in a way that's very invitational as well. Like he's not peculiar to like put people off, um, but it's, it's warm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, you know, I think it is Lewis who says he's either a Lord liar or lunatic. Right. And like, 
there's there's this edge to Jesus that we all have to answer that question that he asked Peter, who do you say I am? Hmm. Or like, who do you say I am? Like historically, all of us at some point answer have to answer that question. And and I love Rachel the way you're talking about that peculiarity of Jesus, but yet there's this this draw to him, this this sense of like it would require me to reorient everything about my life, and yet I am interested in that. You know, like <clears throat> when we talk about like those we said earlier on about those like different gospels, like in the secular quote gospels that we sense that loss, that ache that seems to not satisfy. And then there's Jesus in those moments, right? When our world is falling apart, Jesus is there continuing, continuing to invite us in. You know, one of my, my favorite verses, John 10, 10, I've come to bring life and life to the fullest. Where he says, it looks different. It looks like dying to yourself. It looks like the last, you know, the first being last and the last being first. It looks radically different than I would design or pick. But yet, do we trust when Jesus says that that's the way to true life? Um, that in knowing Jesus, we actually become more human and more truly ourselves. Um, and I think that's, you know, that, that compelling piece to this, this Jesus that sustained for thousands of years, right? So he has remained relevant. What would you all say to someone who maybe is presented with Jesus and is asking that question? What would you say to someone who says, okay, um, I'm not convinced it's, it's the right way, but let me give it a shot. Do you think that counts? Is that good? Is that count as following Jesus or does it have to be a, hmm. I am. I have a hundred percent conviction that this is the way. Yeah, I sure hope it doesn't require a hundred percent. Because there's, I think, in all of us, right? We have those moments where it's like, I don't know, you know. Like I think of, and I'm forgetting where it is, uh, but the scene when the guy comes to Jesus, he says, "Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief." Mm. I think that's in Mark. Is it in Mark? Yeah. Um, nice, nice reference there. <laughs> I wish I knew it. And yeah, it's Mark nine. Mark nine. Look, yeah. of course. I mean, in we Mark nine, this. of course, I knew that. We'll edit that, make me look smarter there. But, but I, I just think that that posture, to me, is in, you know, having grown up in the church, having known the stories my entire life. Like I don't remember a time before God, and yet still, I find myself coming to Jesus and saying, "Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief." Mm-hmm. And there are those times where I don't quite know, and that's that trust element. And I truly believe that, uh, I mean, even listening to what you were, you were saying, there's this reality that once you see who he is and really understand who he is, there's something different. You notice it Mm -hmm. like he's compelling and it really draws you in. And I think, um, I mean, it reminds me of the story of Moses asking to see God, like, God, just reveal yourself to me. And once he sees him, you know, it it changes him. And I think that that's how it works for us, too. It's like, if you want to try this out and see if Jesus is is who he says he is or he will reveal himself to you, I'd say, yeah, let's let's walk down that road. Because once you really understand who he is, once you see the beauty of God, there's no turning back from that. I mean, like you're compelled. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that word peculiar that yeah. you use, Rachel. I think yeah. it is. It's utterly peculiar to the world around us. Truth bomb from Rach. Truth bomb. <laughs> uh, Steven, bomb. can you hand me that guitar real quick? You have to push it up and then bring it over here. My dad used to sing this song to me. Um, Are we going to get a Brandon Passion concert right quick? <laughs> 
You sing this song to me. This is like the NPR <laughs> Tiny Desk concert. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Who is this man? Who is this man? Is he holy or a liar? Is he Lord or a lunatic? You gotta get beyond the rhetoric. Tell me, who is this man? I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah I, I like do, it that. doesn't surprise do me like that you've that. never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so to close, I love it. If, if we could assign a song to each of these questions. <laughs> okay, who is he? The song I'm thinking. I'll start us off. It's the uh, it's the third day song. Who is this King of Glory that presents with a his throwback? Love? Remember that one? Ah, that's, his name is Jesus. Uh, that is '90s youth group Jesus. right there, man. Rachel has throwback. no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, Rachel, you next. <laughs> I think I was in the womb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> will you follow him, Rachel? What's the song for? Will you follow him? Hmm. I believe and I will follow. What is that? Oh. One? It's, I, it's, I think it's Elevation. Yeah. The, when I the believe sea, when everything. When the boat is tossed up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, dang it. I don't, don't know that one. you are. I believe everything. Did we just We're, stump I will one international you. superstar? Hey, he's doing that, Kevin. What's the song? I knew will, you, be... will you die with him? <laughs> I'll be honest. In my car, I listen to talk radio or podcasts. That's about it. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> uh, last one. I'll do it. It's um, Wonderful Cross. Oh. Wonderful oh. cross. When I survey the um, bids me come and die, that find mm. that I may truly live. What an anticlimactic way to end our podcast. Anyway, this has been a great discussion. Um, you guys are gonna have an awesome time going through Mark. That's just such a dumb thing to say. Are you not joining us? <laughs> he said we were gonna have. A Will good you time. follow? Brandon. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's perfect. No, but honestly, thanks for giving us a little bit of a, a look behind on what goes into this. And I think it'll help us frame our discussion, our our learning on Mark and Jesus. And we're really excited to go through this. So we're starting this. If they're listening to this on Friday before we're starting this on Couple Sunday. Days. Right? We're launching it on Sunday. Very cool. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in with us, guys. Even though you didn't tune in, you probably found it on a podcast <laughs> app. But we're excited you're here. <laughs> And for um, changing your dials over to our station. <laughs> Are we able to tune into this? <laughs> As usual, if you like this, we would love to hear from you, particularly what you think about any of Rachel's answers. We want to hear what you think about her. And um, yeah, other than that, we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.